G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision. Well, Greg Bondar is National Director of Christian Voice Australia. It's a national think tank and advocacy group for families, liberty and faith. Greg Bondar is back with us. Hey, Greg, welcome back to 2020. Good morning, Neil. Delighted to be here again as usual. Hey, Greg, you were at the Never Again Is Now rally on the streets in Sydney uh, fighting anti-Semitism. Give us your reflection of what happened on Sunday. Yeah, thank you, Neil. Um, it's interesting. An event such as this can bring together Christians from all nations, from all sectors of the community, and I attended with but the point is that by the number of people that attend, of people, and and may, may I say also Jewish, uh, you know, uh, um, non-denominational people, an atheist. I spoke to one guy, didn't really very much concerned for religious freedom, and and he was very much a, a person that sort of struck me as saying, interesting that we can bring together both atheists and secular and Christians together. So it was a real moment for me. Uh, Greg, uh, just just breaking up a little bit there, and uh, listeners, we'll just persevere a little, because oftentimes if this happens, uh, we get things back uh, happening and uh, nicely, smoothly going. Hey, it was initiated by the Reverend Mark Leach, and uh, he's a Jewish Anglican pastor, and uh, he's got a significant connection here, and, and he was actually... Uh, one of the guys who was at the centre of the controversy around that uh, October the 9th uh, rally that was expressions of really what we all considered to be anti-Semitism uh, yeah. on the on the uh, the steps there of uh, of the Opera House. Uh, you know Mark Leach personally, do you? And, yeah. um, you know, the uh, Jewish Anglican uh, pastor and uh, really a front, uh, you know, the front man for, uh, for speaking to the crowd. Uh, what were your impressions? Yeah, look, very... Um very moving, very uh, historical. Uh, the point is that it, uh, it, it is interesting to see that Christians can come together and and be united in a particular issue. One of the things I think the name, you know, never again is now, has to be reinforced because, uh, as I said, my nieces are Jewish, so I have a fairly strong interest in anti-Semitism and make sure that it doesn't occur. I've heard all sorts of stories from my own two nieces of how they've been targeted. So, look, it's unnecessary. We don't need it here in Australia. And it's something that we've got to really fight for. But interestingly, Neil, the point is that, you know, all of this goes against Australian values. And I think everyone needs to speak up and understand that anti-Semitism is just not part of this particular world and in particular in Australia at the moment. Uh, anti-Semitism is un-Australian, and uh, there were some incredible speakers at the event. One of those was former Prime Minister Scott Morrison. Uh, what were your reflections on his uh, delivery uh, of a speech to the crowd? Yeah, look, I think very good. He made a very good point, and I don't know if you're aware, but he made the point that, you know, 
the United Nations, you know, the UN International Court of Justice, actually has double standards by the by the uh, the acts that they've undertaken. For example, what they've asked uh, Israel to do is to, you know, uh, stop the, uh, the the attacks on Gaza. They seem to have the same um, you know, directions given to other nations around the world. And Scott Morrison made the point that, hey, this is this is double standard. Why are you asking Israel to act this way when other nations have been free to do as they please? So it's very important that you know that point is made. And the other speaker, who you all well know, is Jackie Lambie now. Now, uh, may I, I'll repeat what she said, but the only good terrorist is a bloody dead terrorist. Now, you may or may not agree with that. The point she's making is that he's against anti, you know, against terrorism and in particular anti-Semitism. So it's good to see her support as well. And interesting, isn't it, that so much of the coverage of what happens in Australia is because of uh, pro-Palestinian marches on the streets. So to have 10,000 people, and uh, 10,000 plus, that's the estimate there, Uh, Mm. 10,000 people turning out, and this is the first of a number of these sorts of rallies, Uh, that's very positive. And a lot of Christians are very supportive of getting out on the streets and being part of these. Yeah, I've... I've I've um, made a special attempt to email all our capital city supporters to make sure they go to all of these events and, and support it. It's not so much, Neil, you know, getting out there. It's more about showing that, you know, as Christians, we can we can walk walk alongside our brothers, our Jewish brothers, and uh, and support them. And I'm sure they would support us. But, you know, I think that's the key element here that we can walk side by side and and show our show our unity in in something that is totally un-Australian, totally against uh, Christian philosophy, and there's nothing in the Bible that says we've got to persecute the Jews now. Absolutely. Hey, uh, let's move on. There's a number of very interesting topics uh, that you've uh, nominated to talk about this week, and one of those asks the question, is attending a same-sex wedding an endorsement of same-sex marriage? Uh, Where do you start with uh, with that question? Well, now, as you know, I preach at a lot of churches, and I recently had a number of questions asked of me, and they were, uh, Greg, our gay son is engaged. Greg, a few years ago, my brother left his wife for another woman. Now they've invited us to the wedding. Greg, my daughter wants to marry a non-Christian. Greg, could we go to the wedding? These are questions that pastors are being asked or being challenged with day in, day out. Now, how do you, as a pastor, as a Christian, so they're the things that I really want to try and um, tackle in this particular quick discussion now. Okay, navigating the complex ethical issues. And uh, interestingly, for listeners who might be thinking about only same-sex weddings there, you've also identified the the idea of uh, what might even be called adulterous <laughs> uh, weddings uh, between two people that you know there are biblical there are biblical wisdom and uh, understandings around those things as well so yes it is a complex uh, conundrum that, that you're actually dealing with absolutely and, and you see as a Christian how do we decide in light of biblical truth now what do we actually do? Do we do it or do we do Do we actually, does that say we're supporting uh, what, what they're doing? You know, I keep saying, or my wife keeps saying to me, love the sin, I hate the sin. But again, we as Christians have to decide what does the Bible say? And, and very quickly, Neil, you and I both know marriage is designed by God. Becoming husband and wife entails a covenant. 
and marriage is intended by God to be both universal and sacred. So when you attend a wedding that's non-biblical, these are real issues we're faced with day in and day out now. Well, this is the real challenge, isn't it? Because if we understand what a biblical wedding is and does and leads to a biblical marriage and the way we raise children, uh, then we're going to have some thoughts around about uh, what actually makes uh, a wedding, uh, you know, and the way that we think of it as a sacred union uh, yeah. between two people. So, uh, so what do you think people are doing when they go to a wedding that they... Uh, technically, and maybe it's part of the essential nature of their own belief and their own being, they actually disagree with? Yeah, now this is a good question because you see, I, I, you know, if you go through the Bible and, and, and that, that is my source of living and, and you know, it, I, I have no other uh, source that I use but except the Bible. So look at Genesis 2, Neil, uh, where, you know, God declares that man's alone is not good. So, you know, we, we've created women. So it, it's a marriage. And you look at other, Deuteronomy 27, Matthew 1, 18, 1 Corinthians 7, 25, 28, all highlight the commitment that people make when they announce that they're going to be engaged and married. So what I want to ask everybody else is, if you're attending a gay marriage, a same-sex marriage, are you actually endorsing that marriage? Well, I would suspect that you are, Neil, because, you know, pastors have got to realise that um, if you attend such a, a ceremony, you're actually enforcing the behaviour in the fact that you're saying, well, I'm going to this wedding, I'll see what they're doing, um, and I'm okay with it. Well, I'm not, I'm not okay with it. It's a real challenge. I'll keep praying about it, but until then, it's a real challenge for me now. And it might be a challenge too uh, when you think of certain responsibilities, uh, as you say, and there are a number of churches now that endorse same-sex weddings and uh, that sort of leadership uh, just shows perhaps a, a false direction when it comes to the mm. biblical wisdom on weddings. So certainly there's that speed, isn't there, when you've got uh, uh, Christian leaders, uh, pastors, priests, uh, who are endorsing these weddings, uh, but then it comes down to uh, ordinary people who are sitting in the pews and how we might think of that, because if we're led down the path that perhaps our leaders are going, because, hey, if it seems all right to them, it must be all right, somehow or other you've got to come back to the Word of God, haven't you, and uh, yeah. be able to discern from God's Word as to what right might be right and wrong. Absolutely. Now, see, when you attend a same-sex marriage, you're not just attending, you're actually hearing God's Word Spoken. So hopefully the pastor that's delivering the, the, the marriage vows understands that, you know, this is not biblical. And therefore it's a real challenge for all of us. And I do pray for the people that have a, are in a same-sex marriage relationship. But that said, I just think I would not have a clear conscience if I attended a same-sex marriage, Neil, but I'll keep praying about it. I couldn't help but thinking, knowing we would talk about this, um, the thought that you might be attending a same-sex wedding and uh, they're endorsing it, uh, but if the couple who are engaging in the wedding uh, know that you don't endorse it, you actually might be a thorn in their side because they think that they've got people at the wedding who are actually... Um, you know, counter to the sort of values that they're trying to promote. So there, there might even be a two-way thing that happens there. Uh, but then maybe if you don't, in, if they didn't think you'd endorse it, you might not have got the invitation to the wedding. Uh, so there's all sorts of different, the different dimensions there. 
absolutely. And, and you, you know, you and I both, traditionally in the wedding, the, the, the priest or the minister or the pastor would say, does anybody object to this wedding? I know I would put my hand up now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And you know what? That might take a little bit of backbone uh, to stand up and say, uh, well, I'm here, but I don't really endorse this. Uh, you know, that's that's a challenging thing, isn't it? And you know what? There might be some things we could uh, settle on, and it might be good for a longer conversation again around these sorts of issues, uh, but that might be for another day because I've got some other great things that you've been wanting to talk about, and one of those is historic churches. Do you sell them off uh, because, hey, they're now sort of artefacts of the past uh, and maybe they cost a lot to keep on going, But uh, or do you save those because there is a heritage there that is something very valuable? What are your thoughts here? Historic churches, yeah. sell or save? Yeah, good, good, good question, Neil. And as you know, I was in France last year and I spent a lot of time at Notre Dame and I, that, that visit renewed my interest in historic churches. There is a church down in Melbourne, for example, um, they killed the Presbyterian Church. It, it is 1885. Now, it's going through the process. Do they sell? Do they, do they modify? Do they get a donor in? Do, what, what do they do with it? Now, I mean, they put every effort into trying to keep the historic church. Uh, you know, you've got things like history. You've got the architecture. You've got the, the, the organ. I don't know if you've seen some of those organs, but they are absolutely beautiful. And there's a reverence about some of these historic churches, Neil. I would like to keep them. And I know the the conflict that St. Kilda Presbyterian Church is going through at the moment. But, Neil, what do we do? How can we make sure that we keep them? And the only way we can do that is, is by getting a very generous standard and sure that they uh, continue to serve God through their church. And there's going to be a little bit of a division, isn't there? There are going to be those that say, well, the church is the people. Uh, it's not the building. Uh, forget the building. And then there are others who say, well, there's a stake in the ground here uh, where, you know, there is a monument to God. There is an expression of believers. There's something that reflects our Christian heritage, and that needs to be preserved, uh, not just for the current generation today, but for the generations that are to come. So there is going to be division there, and maybe you fall one side or the other, but if you do fall on the side of maintaining that heritage project, uh, perhaps, yes, uh, digging deep and and contributing to the cost of the upkeep, because that's where the challenge is. Yeah, absolutely, Neil, and I totally agree with you. You and I both know the church's people, it's not the bill of any misinterest. Point I want to make is that I mean, we, what, is that do we knock down Notre Dame because churches people only no you don't. To me, it's a landmark. It is a symbol of, of what you know people have done in the past, and where you can express your faith. I'd love to keep these historic churches, and I hope that St Kilda Presbyterian Church in Melbourne, for example, continues. Uh, I know some other churches around the country that are absolutely beautiful with the architecture. They still have pews. And Neil, I love them. Let's see if we can keep them. And, uh, you know, I'd be interested to see what other people think, but I, I, I'm all favoured keeping them and maintaining them, Neil, despite the cost. Hey, Greg, before I let you go, just one really important issue. And uh, you're in Sydney as we talk today. Uh, in Sydney, uh, the MP uh, Alex Greenwich has introduced what's called the Equality Bill, and there's something like 20 
provisions of change in legislation for New South Wales, a 50-page bill. Uh, Some people call it an omnibus bill. There's lots of dimensions there and all very anti-Christian. Any thoughts here around what's happened with that bill? Because I know it's coming towards uh, debate and even a vote as early as the 14th of March. Thoughts here? Yeah, correct. Now, look, it's been again pushed uh, ahead of uh, other other bills. What's happening here is if the 14th of March uh, is set down for debate, I hope it doesn't go to a vote. We've we've, uh, sent uh, communication to every MP in New South Wales saying, hey, you can't rush a bill like this. It has consequences. I think um, the the, the Archbishop Tony Fisher made the point that there are significant unintended consequences that we have to look out for. So let's not rush the bill. Well, there's still lots to monitor along with that debate as that is planned to get underway and, of course, the potential for a vote there on what is significantly anti-Christian. Uh, Greg Bondar, uh, thank you so much for another great update. Uh, Greg's National Director of Christian Voice Australia, a national think tank and advocacy group for families, liberty and faith. The website to connect with Greg Bondar christianvoiceaustralia.blog christianvoiceaustralia.blog uh, Greg Bondar, uh, any just any uh, special um, live stream events happening coming up anytime soon? There certainly will be, Neil, but I'll keep it just quiet for the moment. But on the, uh, in March, I've got a very, very important overseas person I'm interviewing, and I'll talk to you about that next time we meet. And for listeners who've been part of some of those webinars, uh, christianvoiceaustralia.blog, how you connect there. Uh, Greg, thanks so much for another great update today on 2020. Yeah, God bless you. Thank you, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.